You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. In a time where our country faces a lot of kinds of ground zeros, where the hurricanes rip through a city and destroy a community, it's our first responders that show up in great numbers. And the bravery and the courage that you saw in the 9-11 incident from our first responder is the same courage, bravery, and sacrifice and service of so many uh, men and women that helped build a better community. We built an exact replica of the Ground Zero Cross to serve as a monument of hope. That no matter what people are going through, when they hit a Ground Zero in life, that somehow they can look to the cross as that symbol of hope uh, to get through what they're going through. More than 91,000 people drive by our campus every single day. That cross will serve as an icon, a symbol of hope for everybody that drives by. That God is there in the midst of the hard time. God is there in the middle of the hardship that they're going through. Not only did we build it to serve as a monument of hope, but we built it to honor our first responders, to honor all the brave men and women that serve our country and serve our community in times of crisis. When most people are running away from danger, they run straight into it. And they come and they bring peace and they bring help and they bring hope. To honor our first responders today, our law enforcement, our EMTs, our firefighters and police, you've seen some Uh, squad cars out front, the firefighters uh, here as well. Um, I want to take a moment to honor these brave men and women who have served with sacrifice, courage, and bravery that exemplified courage, courageous virtues, demonstrated not only at 9-11, but every day in the Phoenix Valley and the state at large. Uh, A lot of times these men and women don't get an opportunity to share or to Uh, be honored. And today, when we start our grand opening, we closed on the property on September 11th. We felt like that was God's divine time to help uphold the idea of a monument of hope and to bring honor to all of our first responders. So today, I want to invite up on the stage Bob Fesmeyer. He's a chaplain of the Phoenix PD. Can you give him a warm North Valley welcome? Bob, you serve as a chaplain of the Phoenix PD. Would you give a few words to our, our first responders and then maybe uh, just offer a prayer? I would be honored. First, let me thank all of you here at North Valley. We appreciate it very much. We all think about first responders and the physical threat to their life or injury that they might incur, but the reality in all of our first responders is not what happens to them on the outside, but what happens to them on the inside. So in no small part today... This church, along with your pastor, are ministering to their soul, and I'd like to thank you for being a part of that today. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for gathering us together. We give you thanks for all the loving things that you give to us, the greatest of which is life itself. Today, we thank you for those precious men and women who you have given to us, who have been called and set apart as ministers for good warriors who bear the sword against evil healers who come to our aid in that calm voice that answers the phone to bring comfort. They represent you in our times of crisis and tragedy. 
when we are afraid or in need of help, when we need an authority that is greater than ourselves. We call them police, fire, EMS, dispatch, corrections. They are our first responders. But their loved ones call them mom, daddy, husband, wife, brother, sister, son, or daughter. Almighty God is our protector. We call upon you to protect their lives, their bodies from injury and illness, and their soul as it is under constant attack through brutality, violence, disrespect, and tragedy. Protect their character and integrity in all areas. They are a precious gift, and we look to them as an example, as even now we take comfort in the shadow of protection that they are providing in this very moment. Father, we gratefully acknowledge that they do not travel this journey alone, and so we thank you for their spouses, their children, family, and friends. We ask you to bless them for the sacrifices that they make, They are the heroes behind the badge, a treasure from you to them. Shield their homes in peace, love, patience, and in blessing. Almighty God, never far from my mind are our fallen, those who love them deeply, living their lives in memory and absence of those who have given everything in the protection of us. So, Heavenly Father, we bless them, we honor them, and we love them. God, we thank you for all those that have served in the line of duty to protect, to preserve peace in our community. And Lord, we lift up their family, we lift up their marriages, we lift up their children and their futures. We pray for, uh, Lord, not only that you would bless them and their family, but that you would bless them in the line of duty. Would you give them a steadiness and a courage in every single situation, we give you thanks for them that you, you, and ask for your protection upon them, that you strengthen them and you continue to use them to extend your common grace to the Phoenix Valley at large. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, I want to ask the first responders in the rooms to stand up. EMT, firefighter, previously or present, would you stand up in the room? We have several in the back, yes. And let's give these guys a round of applause. Yes. Thank you for doing what you do. You make a a better community. We're working together. Hey, uh, those of you who are first responders, don't leave today without seeing Bob Fezmeyer. He'll be out at the guest services, Ramada. We have a special, special gift for you. uh, Our way of just saying thank you, and we uh, will be praying for you and thank God for you. Well, let's, let's transition. I want to talk to you about what you do in life when you hit a ground zero. Romans chapter 5, I want to open that up. If you've got a Bible, please open it up. Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. The Apostle Paul starts off in the very first chapter, and it's kind of a continuation of a thought, but he's talked about how he's, exp- the, the hope that, that, that the church in Rome needs to experience and hold on to in the midst of their hard times and their hardships. And it starts off, and he had already reminded him of the great work of the cross and how the cross is our hope and the cross is, is our righteousness. It's what makes us right is the cross. The cross is central to all of Christianity. And this morning, what I'd like to do is walk you through some points on how do you rebuild when you hit a ground zero. Many of you have lost, uh, gone through a hardship. Maybe you've lost a loved one or you've lost, a, um, you've lost a, a child or a, a marriage or you're going through a divorce or maybe you lost your job. Those are the kind of ground zero moments where it really tests and challenges who we are. 
And I want to encourage you in that, that you can rebuild. You can rebuild from a ground zero. I think that's part of the beauty of what I'm seeing in the media right now is you're seeing in the hurricane uh, aftermath and another one's coming. We, ought to be, we need to be praying for that. But you see people coming together. Things slow down. When a ground zero hits, that ground zero experience, we've got to slow down and remember some things, especially as Christians. First thing that we're going to see, let's first jump into the text. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. First thing we need to see this morning is that we need to remember God's peace. We need to remember that God offers an incredible peace. And he offers it because of what he's done on the cross. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, not justified by works, but we've been justified by faith, that we can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the very most important person you should ever Give your complete attention and your life effort to get to know. It's through Jesus Christ you can experience peace. There's over a million people every single day that check themselves into hospitals because they have no peace. When you hit a ground zero, you need to remember peace. And it's connected to the cross, to that word justify. It means to make right. It's a legal term. So imagine with me this. Let's say I'm in a courtroom. And God the Father is my judge, and I'm trembling because I know that He knows everything about me, my past, my present, and even my future. And I'm not so proud about everything I've done in my past. And Satan is the prosecuting attorney. He's got a record of my whole life, a whole record of my life. He calls Moses as his first witness. He calls Moses in and asks what the Ten Commandments are and has them recite them. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not have any other God before you, shall not murder, you shall not... All these things. And I'm thinking, good grief. Well, I've lied before. I've done a lot of different things that are wrong. I'm ashamed. Prosecuting attorney continues and I start thinking about, oh yeah... And he says to the, the honorable judge, God the Father, yeah, do you remember the time you were, he, he was kicked out of school? He, he brought a blowgun to school. Or about the time when maybe he uh, was lying and stealing and got arrested for an MIP. The prosecuting attorney says, see, your honor, all the things that Ryan has violated and done wrong, he says he's obviously a lawbreaker. He calls in his second witness to the stand and it's my mom. He brings in my mom. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And she starts recalling, oh yeah. I mean, she didn't want to remember everything, but she had to because God the Father is the honorable judge. And they have to talk about the time I was kicked out of school and all the stupid things that I did. And I start feeling pretty lousy. And then next up after that is my defense attorney, Jesus. Jesus leans over and says, don't worry, Ryan. This is going to be a piece of cake. 
the judge is my dad. He lays his elbow on the bench and he says a few things to him that I can't hear. And then he says this out loud. Your Honor, everything that the prosecuting attorney has laid out is absolutely true. He's broken every law on all accounts. Actually, wait. He's guilty of all the above and more. And I'm thinking, Jesus. That's the one time you say it loudly like you mean it. Jesus, what are you doing? All his thoughts, the intentions of his heart, he's sinned against you in so many ways. And I'm thinking, I'm dead in the water. I'm going to prison for life. And then he turns around and he says one last thing I need to remind you of, Your Honor. I paid for all those offenses. I paid for every one of those. The past, the present, and the future. I paid for all of it on the cross. I suffered and died the death that Ryan should have died. I stood in his place. I took his punishment. I took his sin. I took his suffering. I took his shame upon me. Do you remember that? Then Jesus stretches out his hands and he says, I gave my life for him. I paid it all. The honor, the judge, throws down his gavel and says, case dismissed. Ryan is free, paid in full. Jesus paid it all. Amen. Yeah, you can clap. I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm free and clear. That's the peace of God. That's the peace that we experience with God. A couple things about peace is this, is that we can have a peace with God. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We get to experience the peace with God, not because of anything we've done, not the works we've done, by simply placing our faith in a great Jesus. He is our peace. We have peace with the God Almighty. Then there's the peace of God. Some of you don't experience, even as a Christian, you're not experiencing the peace of God right now, but it is available to anybody. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is available. It's like an umbrella of hope. It's an umbrella of peace. You know, I went to a football game the other day with my son, and we're out there. It's 105 degrees. I'm thinking, good grief, I can't believe Pop Warner's got these guys playing in this kind of heat. I need some shade. And thankfully, I brought a big umbrella, and I can hide under that shade, and it protects me from the elements. Some of you, as a Christian, you don't experience the peace of God. You might have peace with God, but you're not experiencing the peace of God. It's like an umbrella that you... You need to raise and realize that you can take shelter and experience the peace of God on a daily basis as you take your anxiety and you give it over to Him. You don't carry it, but you cast it away. You don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then there's the peace with others. You can experience peace with others. It is possible... It's not a promise, for sure you're going to have peace with others. But if possible, it says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. So remember God's peace when you're going through a ground zero moment in life. When your world falls apart, remember God's peace. 
Remember that you can have peace with God because you're approved, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Remember that there's the peace of God. It isn't the umbrella of peace that uh, shelters your life and that you can take shelter in. There's peace with others is possible. As far as it depends on you, do what you got to do to be at peace. Number two, I want to encourage you to remember you have direct access. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Access. You don't need to go to anybody to get to God. Jesus has created the bridge. The cross is the bridge. You have access to Him. Remember this, is that your identity determines your importance. If you understand that you are a son or a daughter of God through the work of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has paid it all, you have a sense of confidence and purpose, and it'll allow you to navigate through the hardest of times. Uh, At 9-11, just a few uh, months after the event took place, my friend, Lieutenant Clower, uh, received a short leave. He was deployed shortly after the 9-11 incident and made me his power of attorney. I took over all his assets while he was in Diego Garcia serving with the United States Air Force. And I served as his, uh, his, his help uh, to control his, his apartment, his cars, and bills, and all that stuff. When he came back home, he said, Ryan, I want to make a special trip to the 9-11 Ground Zero site. We got there, and there was a line. Literally, people were telling us to get to the Ground Zero site, it would take about 12 hours. We waited in line for six and I felt like my, my friend Tom, Lieutenant Clower, needed this experience because he'd been going through a really hard time. He was a Christian, but he wasn't experienced the peace of God. He had gone through such a hard time, and he would recall at that time was a really dark and challenging time. He was hoping to get married, what didn't get married. He was hoping to build a career, and he couldn't build a career back in his hometown because uh, he was being deployed, and he was taking major sacrifice to serve our country. And I knew it was really important that day that Lieutenant Clower got to Ground Zero to see what had happened so he could have some closure on that Ground Zero moment. And the officers uh, that were there, I knew that they were the gatekeepers. And I said to my friend, I said, Tom, you just stay right here. He said, we got to go home. We got to catch the train and head back to Jersey. And I said, before we leave, let me just go ask one officer if he would make a special access privilege for you because you're Lieutenant Clower. And he says, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I said, I do. So I leave. I said, Tom, you stay here. Go up to the very front of the line. Walk several blocks in New York City right after Ground Zero, or right after the World Trade Center fell. And I see the officers standing there, and they're barricading the place, and people are just pouring in. And I say, sir, I've got a gentleman back here several blocks back, Lieutenant Clower. He's just been deployed. Uh, he was deployed for uh, the, the, the terrorist attack. He's been in Diego Garcia. We came back. We drove halfway across the country to be here, and we're about to, he's about to give up and go home. He said, Lieutenant Clower, did he serve in the United States Air Force? I said, yes, he did. He said, let's get him special access right away. Walks down there. I got a police escort going down. Down there, meet Tom. Tom said, are we in trouble? I said, no, we're not in trouble. We're getting a special escort through the barriers and gets that ground zero opportunity to go straight into it and see that cross that stood in the midst of the rubble, that God is there in the middle of the hard times. You need to remember you have direct access. Why is it that you have direct access to God? It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because you need to understand your identity. If you don't understand your identity, you won't realize your importance. 
you won't realize how important that God calls you because of the work that Jesus has done. I want to encourage you as well as rejoice in God. The Apostle Paul says, verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is not just a simple hope. It's a hope of that you have hope in who God is. Here's what I want to encourage you. Hope is not the simple kind of hope of like, hey, I hope the Cardinals win against the Detroit Lions. It's not that kind of hope. That's not what I'm talking about. A hope in God is a hope in that God is going to do what is right, no matter what. We need to put our hope in God. Rejoice in God. Rejoicing in God is good. God is great. God is glorious. There's no other person in life that you've got to learn to start a relationship with and cultivate a relationship when the one who made it all, the one who made you, formed you, fashioned you, designed you, promises to use everything for good for those who know Him. Rejoice in God. God is good so you don't have to look anywhere else. And God is great so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious so we don't have to fear anyone or anything. Rejoicing in God. Paul calls them not only to rejoice in God, he calls us, for all believers, is to rejoice in suffering. You say suffering. Yeah, suffering. Because suffering does something to us. Even look what these hurricanes are doing. Look at our people. They're pulling together. In a time of crisis, crime's going down, not up in the middle of this. God has a way of doing things in the middle of a really difficult situation. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice in suffering. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It's like it's a good thing that's about to happen. That in the middle of a hard time, you can trust and start believing ahead of time that God's going to do something that you don't understand. That hope is just around the corner. It's, it's going to happen. God is the right person and He's doing the right thing and you can trust Him no matter what you're going through. Rejoice in suffering means suffering produces endurance. It means that you have this provenness to you. When you go through a hardship, when you go through a hard time, God's, you're, everything's being tested. You're being proven. Endurance produces character. That's pressure. An intense pressure. When you're under intense pressure, God's doing something beautiful and amazing in that. He'll give you a strength that you didn't have. He'll give you a hope that wasn't there. Think about it like this. The mineral, the diamond. It's formed and fashioned. It actually comes from a mineral that's very close to like coal, but it creates that beautiful diamond only under intense pressure times of pressure and heat and over long periods of sustained time. We tend to think of suffering like a, like a pipe. When it's undergoing tons of pressure, it explodes and it busts. But God looks at suffering and hardship and He says, I'm going to make something beautiful out of this. Look what the Word says. It produces. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. It's perspective. God uses people's past to prepare them for their future. And my story of my wife and I are a perfect example of that. I want to invite Leslie Rice up to share with you about when she was going through an incredibly hard time and she hit a ground zero in life. Would you welcome Leslie? <laughs> Leslie, tell us about the time when you hit a big ground zero in life. Hi. 
Growing up, I found my identity and acceptance in money, image, and my relationship with boys. I was one of those girls that always had a boyfriend. In sixth grade, I had my first kiss. In eighth grade, I slept with my boyfriend. And by my senior year in high school, I was 18 and I was pregnant. I didn't see any other choice but one. I only saw one option, and that was to terminate the pregnancy. When I went into the clinic, the technician told me I was pregnant with twins. I was blind to my sin. I didn't value life, including my own life. I was filled with guilt and shame, and I carried that guilt and shame for years. I began walking through life with a weight and a burden. A few years later, I found myself in another relationship. I was dating a guy that was a millionaire. He showered me with diamonds and vacations. I should have been happy. According to the world standards, I was in a relationship that had everything to offer. But I wasn't happy. I was angry. I was always frustrated. I felt empty and lonely. I hated who I was, and I felt powerless to change anything. I had hit my ground zero. On September 11th, 1999, I was a student at the University of North Texas. I was walking to class on the first day of school, and somebody was passing out magazines. I took one, and in between classes, I sat down in the library and started to read an article. The article about, was about a couple going through marriage counseling, and no amount of counseling would save their marriage because they didn't know true love, and God is true love. When I read that, I knew that was what I was missing. I went home, I called my sister, who I knew believed in God, and she led me to Christ. She helped me see my need for God. I admitted my sins. I confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior, and I needed Him more than anyone else in the world. I had an instant peace and joy, and I knew my life was going to be different. The burden that I had been carrying was lifted off my shoulders. I had a confidence that I had never had before. I knew that the old was gone. I was a new creation, and it was time for me to start rebuilding. Rebuilding for me was a determination to grow in my relationship with God. And I was determined that the next dating relationship I was to have would be rooted in the knowledge of who God is and what his plan is for relationships. It was a couple of years later that God brought Ryan into my life. Yes. Ryan this is where had, I'll move closer to you. <laughs> Ryan had the same love and passion for God that I did. In our dating relationship, we stayed pure until marriage. And that was so redeeming for me. Of course, we met, dated, and were married within nine months. That helped. But through Christ, I found a new identity. Through Ryan, God gave me a new name. A couple years after we were married, we found out I was pregnant. When we went into the doctor, she said with excitement, I'll be the first one to tell you, you're having twins. All I could do was cry. Ryan asked for a second opinion. <laughs> I did. I was worried. That was expensive. <laughs> but I knew twins was a gift from God. They were a sign of his love and forgiveness for me. He had given me second chance. 
He had given me new life. Since we've lived in Phoenix, uh, we've had the opportunity to adopt our youngest daughter, Maya. Adoption has been another opportunity for us to be life givers. I can get up here and share my story with you today because I've experienced the love of God. God approves of me, and not because of anything I've done, but because of what he has done for me. Let's celebrate that. A couple things I want to encourage you to think about is that you need more than anything is the love of God. You need the love of God in your life. You need the love of God to kind of fall on you like a tidal wave. It refreshes you. It sustains you. Somebody said to me today, they, don't, they, don't, they hadn't been coming to church a whole lot. They never came to church very much, and they came to our church, and after the service, they just said, hey, I just appreciate, appreciate your energy and your love and a passion. And I said, let me tell you something. That genuine relationship with Jesus Christ is real. I love Him. He's changed my life. He's done really cool little miracles. I mean, terminated twins, and then, Ryan, I love you. I love Leslie. I'm going to shower down my love. You're getting to have a new chance. We're giving you Sam and Riley. God is a God of incredible personal relationship that He offers. Receive the love of God. The Apostle Paul encourages the church in Rome and says this, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He says, hope does not put us to shame. In other words, if you do what I'm telling you to do, if you really when you hit your ground zero and you're ready to start rebuilding from that ground zero experience, if you really do that and you start taking those steps forward, okay, I'm going to remember the peace of God. I want that peace, God. I'm asking for that peace. If you move forward and say, in the middle of it, God, as crazy as it is, I know that I got access to you. I don't have to go through Mary. I don't have to go through a priest. I got access to you because of what Jesus has done. In the middle of that, you can say, I'm rejoicing in you, God, because you're good. You're great. You're glorious. In the middle of that, you can receive the love of God and you're not going to be put to shame. You're not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to call you to do something from God's word that I'm not promised. I'm telling you, if you do this, you're not going to be put to shame. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Hope does not put us to shame. The kind of hope and a confidence and a belief that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to meet you right where you're at. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Lastly, I want to encourage you to receive the love of God and a better life with God. I just had the privilege and the opportunity. I woke up this morning and I was so excited. I didn't care what anything happened today if just a couple things happened. I had the privilege and opportunity to see my friend uh, who was formerly agnostic come to faith in Christ and was baptized. And then I had another friend who was Buddhist and he came to faith in Christ through our church and he got baptized. And I said, if they show up and I get to do the baptism, that's going to be awesome. I'll show you a picture of them. I think we've got it. There they are. Let's celebrate that. Damon's the big guy, uh, real big guy. I had to have Jonathan's help to baptize him. It was awesome. He rushed out of here to check out the Cardinals game. Uh, And here's what Damon said to me. Ryan, a life with God. Jesus said it like this. I came that they may have life and to have it abundantly. He said, I never knew there was such a great life with God. He said, Buddhism was an empty road. Following the eightfold path seemed like it got longer and longer and longer. 
But with Jesus, I'm approved. I'm, I got a peace with God. It's not based on my works. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done. Some of you are struggling. You haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord. Some of you are backslidden Christians and you've gone so long and you're not experiencing that peace. It's like that you've left that umbrella of peace. It's available, but you, you hadn't been claiming it. This morning, what I want to do is I want to encourage us before we leave is to know the simple message of the gospel is this, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Do you know where you're going to go when you're going to die? No day is promised for you. You can't control the future. Do you know that you would, with absolute certainty, that you will have eternal life Meaning you're going to, when the courtroom comes together and you're before the honorable judge, that you can call upon your defense attorney, Jesus. See, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got no defense attorney. You don't get eternal life. Because you're trying to do it by yourself. And Jesus went to the Father and said, hey, I paid it all. I did it all. He's violated every single one of these laws. With, and he's in sin and he's got shame. Some of you have carried the burden of shame way too long. And so it's through a personal relationship, the most important person ever, that you could spend your life getting to know and rebuilding that relationship with today is Jesus Christ. Today, tomorrow, and forever. I want to encourage you in this time and invite the worship team up. And I just want to, I wouldn't want to end this service without the opportunity for some of you. The Leslie's testimony grabbed your heart and you're like, man, I've been there. I've done those kind of things. Or maybe you're like Damon. You lived a life in dead religion. You worked really hard to be a good person and you just never knew, am I ever going to be good enough? And today you're saying, I'm trading that out and I want to take a step forward and I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're like Tom, my buddy, who's going through a really hard time and he just was sliding backwards instead of gaining access forward. And he wasn't walking in that available peace of God and you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ today. I want to invite you not to leave here today with that simple opportunity. I'm going to pray for us and just uh, ask you if you're going through that and you want to uh, make a decision for Jesus Christ today that you would do that today. There's no better person, I promise you. You're not going to be put to shame. And you spend the rest of your life, a life with God and experiencing the love of God. Oh, it's the best. It's the greatest. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we come before this time right now, I know there's guys and gals and men and women and young students here too, Lord. And they feel a, they don't feel like they're standing in grace. They feel like they're standing in shame. And only you can remove that. So right now, God, I pray that you'd stir in their hearts to make a bold commitment and a decision, a resolve to take a courageous step of faith. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you would like to make a decision for Jesus Christ today and say, this is the day that I'm making a decision for Jesus Christ. I want to live for Him. Would you pray with me a simple prayer like this? Heavenly Father, I come before You right now 
And I admit I've sinned. I've broken your law. I feel the shame and the guilt. And I acknowledge I have done so many things that I wished I didn't. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others. I want help. I want to be healed. And so in faith, I believe. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. Be my defense attorney. Come to my rescue. Relieve me of my shame. Relieve me of my guilt. I believe in you, Jesus, as God's Son, who loved me and died on the cross for my sins. I believe that He rose again. He is alive today. And today, with great confidence and courage, I confess Him as my Lord. I want a new day, Lord. I want to rebuild. Not by my power, but by Your power. I confess You as the Lord of my life. Take control. I give You all my burdens and my guilt and my shame. And I thank You for the cross. In Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, before we leave here today, just let me know who, to, who today has made that decision. Just raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Praise God. Keep raising your hands. It's awesome. Don't leave this moment today. Take a courageous step of faith and say, God, I want to make a decision for you today. I'm not leaving here today. Just raise your hand. Yes. Praise God. Keep them high. Keep them high. God is good. Don't ever leave away. This is the most important relationship and decision that you could ever make in your life. Just raise your hand. Keep raising your hand. Hands are continuing to go up. Come on. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for the work you're doing right now. Thank you for the sons and the daughters. Thank you that they are incredibly important, loved in your sight because of the work of Jesus. Continue to raise your hand. One more. Who else? Praise God. Praise God. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for the decisions that were made today. And there's so many more, Lord, this morning. Thank you that we have a family relationship with you. Thank you that the peace of God and the peace with God is here and present. We love you. We give you thanks for the work you're doing in our lives and through this church. Bind us together in the midst of a hard time, in the midst of anything. We love you and give you thanks. Confident that we're not going to be put to shame as we put our hope in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.